We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast, Friday night on the Mile High Huddle Network and also streaming to Scott Kennedy Sports. We appreciate you being here tonight. I am Scott Kennedy. I am in Atlanta. This guy over here, that's Eric Trickle. He is in Alaska. I will be sitting in for Lance tonight. Lance has some personal things to take care of. So I'm sitting in on a Friday night with my friend Eric. Eric, how are you doing tonight besides freezing your hiney off in minus 10 weather? Um, Yeah, freezing. Trying not to, you know, trying to keep my blood flowing through my fingers and everything. I have a heated blanket on, sweatshirt, you know all that but it's good i had a good holiday i hope everyone here had a good holiday got some pretty cool stuff family's big on board games got some so i got a bunch of board games um but yeah i'm excited um it was definitely a bit of a shocking news week with the broncos but uh at the same time it wasn't completely you know surprising if so you really go I'm, let me I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you uh i'm gonna make you be a little more clear on that it was kind of a shocking news week, but really, how shocking was it? I was a little surprised by the timing that this happened this early in the week, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not surprised it happened. Yeah. Um, part of me is a little surprised that it didn't happen a little bit earlier this season because the big thing, as it's all talked about now, is the injury guarantee on Russell Wilson's contract. Didn't want to risk him getting hurt. Fortunately, he wasn't getting, he didn't get hurt up until this point. And with, you know, I think it's like 5% chance of making the playoffs now. Your best bet is to win out with the Chiefs losing out and winning the division. Um, it The timing now is the, is the best time to make that change. You don't want to risk Russell Wilson getting hurt over the final two games and then being stuck with him for an additional two more years. That was all, that was always the issue is you don't want to be stuck with him for two more years. It's why it was, wait and see with what they're going to do for him but they've made it clear they're going to move on he's ready to move on and this will go down as one of one of the worst trades in nfl history i i think so too and that's not hyperbole on that when we say is this the worst trade in nfl history it's it's in the discussion when you talk about what you gave up and then to turn around and the the then the hit you have to take on the dead cap hit with the salary cap hit um Yes, this is definitely in the discussion. Um, we will get to some questions and stuff. I want to say hello to some folks. We go one of the reasons we do this live is because we like saying hello to everybody and we like having the discussion going, uh, including folks like Dylan Van Arks, who helps us so much during the chat, uh, acting as a moderator and help keep things flowing. He says, Sup, Broncos Country, make sure you hit that like button on the way in, share on all your platforms that you're watching, and subscribe if you haven't already. David coming in, he says, even in Eric and Scott, for me, it just seems like Russ could not read the defense or run Sean's offense. And for Stidham, he might play the middle of the field. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit. You know, what are some of the things that Stidham might be able to do differently? And again, this was not a great fit for a short passing game, quick read type of offense. It's just not really what Russell Wilson does. And, you know, I was, I was surprised we didn't see more play action, you know, uh, from, you know, over the course of the year. I don't know. I, it just, it always felt like everything was so hard, Eric. I, I talked about it. It was like watching a basketball game where you're a half court shooting team and you run the play clock down and you move the ball around and you hit a contested shot and it goes in from, you know, three point range. You're like, yes, 
whew, man, that was hard. The other team just runs right on down and gets a layup. You're like, damn it, man. It's the, the defense played well. The offense was never quite really in sync. Russell's numbers on the whole weren't bad. You know, when you talk about his overall quarterback rating, et cetera, et cetera. But it didn't feel like it was a fit. And we could see some different things coming from uh, from Stidham this week. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it with, you know, Jerry, Judy, and Russ, how it was oil and water. The One of the reasons why I was very concerned with Sean Payton coming in is because he has his offense, and he likes to run his offense, and Wilson doesn't fit it. Wilson's never been a middle-of-the-field, quick-passing game guy. That's never been his strong suit. He's always been, I'm going to extend plays, make plays out of the pocket, and while the Broncos were able to incorporate that, while Sean Payton did a lot of limiting his playbook to what Wilson can do, it was still so it was a little too limited because you didn't have the it limited what how you could use certain players. It just limited with what Russell Wilson could do at this point. Um, just just a lot of issues. And Judy and Russ were like oil and water. Well, Wilson and Payton were always like oil and water with what one can do and what one likes to do. Yeah, and we we talked about this from the get-go. And good evening, David. How are you doing? He says, good evening, Broncos country. Happy New Year, Lance, Eric, Dylan, Deacon Scott, Buckham Times 3, and all those hashtags, Denver Broncos for life, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we talked about this during the, the hiring process, Eric, when, when Sean Payton was coming. It's like, well, no one's going to come in and be married to that contract. I promise you no one's going to be married to that contract. If they need to move on, they will. That is one of the reasons you've got owners with the deepest pockets in football is you can – take a bath on something like this and take the dead cap hit and not just have somebody say, by God, I've already paid this man. I'm going to pay him $160 million on an extension that hasn't even started yet. He's going to play. And that happens in other places. Wasn't going to happen here. Uh, Sean Payton was in charge. As soon as you made that move, it was Sean Payton's team. It was no longer Russell Wilson in his private office. Yeah, real quick, I just want to say, Papa, I hope everything's okay. I saw the um, medical stuff that's going on with you, so I hope you're all you're doing well and have had that all taken care of. But what's getting to me about this whole situation now is th there's a lot of people blaming Peyton, which sure, there's things you can put blame on him for. But overall, you got to look at what Russell Wilson did last year, which no, it wasn't all Russell Wilson's fault, but he came in and he wanted his offense, and the offense we got last year was mostly by his design. And then, you know, Hackett gets fired, the interim, he's not kept around. And what was the talking point? They got to hire a coach who's going to keep Russell Wilson in check. They're not going to let him walk around like he's the, he owns the whole team. And that's what Sean Payton did. It, he was brought in. It's his team. It was made very clear right away that this is his team. And George Payton's definitely in the background. And he held Russell, Russell Wilson accountable. And now people are complaining that, Sean Payton was too hard on Russ. It, it's we can't have it both ways here. And Russell Wilson, he he's a good person. There, I no issues with him as a person. As a football player, he just wasn't cutting it. You know, doing well enough. Issues reading the defenses. It just again, it didn't work with what Sean Payton wants to do. And it was always a situation at, with the contract. Is now is the time to get out of it or you're stuck with him for two more years. And the Broncos organization, while well, they went about it, not necessarily in the cleanest of ways, they still exercised their ability to do it. And Russell Wilson, I mean, his contract's untradeable, but if it wasn't untradeable, he has a no-trade clause. And if Denver wanted to trade him, I wouldn't blame him one bit for not waiving his no-trade clause. They're both using the tools at their disposal to go about this. And unfortunately, it's not going to be the cleanest of breakups. No, it's it's never going to be. It, there's a lot of money involved. There's a very popular, at least high-profile player involved. It's going to be a little bit messy divorce. And at the end of the day, it's, it's business. It's what's the best business for the team. At the end of the day, this move is happening because are you worth what you are getting paid? If the answer is yes, then you are safe. If the answer is no, you are in trouble. Okay? That goes any contract. I was running contracts with a team with like 25 people, and everybody's always worried about what else is being. Well, this guy's not working very much. He's not getting paid very much. Mind your own damn business. So are you worth what you are getting paid? And the answer on this, moving forward, because like I said, the scary thing is, is Russell Wilson's five-year extension hasn't even started. 
Everybody talks about, oh, the, this. I've seen people in the comments, Russell's contract is killing this team. No, it's not. It's about to. It's about to be a, a problem with your with the, the cap that you're going to get. But he, what was he, $22 million this year? Like 9, 11 last year? His cap hit's been low. It's about to escalate. And it's about to be about $42 million across two years. He wasn't worth what he was going to be paid. That's the bottom line. You know, Stone Cold said so. That's the bottom line. Everything else is posturing. Everything else is posturing. The Broncos made a mistake in the trade. They made a mistake in the extension. Now they're paying for it. Now they're paying for it. That's what it boils down to. Michael uh, Rankio, good evening to Eric and Scott on Dub Dally Deep Divers. Go Broncos. And thank you for the stars, my friend. We certainly appreciate you, appreciate you coming in. I uh, wanted to say hello to uh, Patrick. Somehow I've lost his comment, Patrick. Because uh, I, I, I've seen it a couple times. I want to make sure I get to it. Here it is. Uh, it says, aloha, my Bronco brothers. If anyone would take Russ, would it help with the dead cap? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, if someone would take on, if you were able to trade him, um, you could negotiate some of that salary with it. No one is going to trade for him. No way, no how, and take on a penny of that contract. So it's it's not going to help. Now, Nick was really good about this, paying attention to this, and he told me, Eric, and you might confirm, or this could be news to you, we haven't talked about it, that any money that Russell Wilson gets next year will offset his his money in the future. Well, guess what, y'all? He's going to sign a $1.2 million veteran minimum one-year deal with somebody, and you will get $1.2 million back from your $85 million dead cap. That ain't much. You're not. Nobody's going to trade for him. And remember, as Eric just said, he's got a no-trade clause. Mm -hmm. Think Derek Carr last year. Why would I let you trade me? <laughs> Pay me my money and waive me, and I'll go on waivers and be a free agent. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's um, he does he does have that offsetting money in the in his contract and everything, but he's not. I doubt he's going to go sign a big contract elsewhere. Why would he? He's going to get thirty five million dollars from the Broncos next year to play elsewhere, or sorry, thirty seven million dollars from the Broncos to play last play somewhere else next year. So they he's a Got to pay him $1.2 million for the veteran minimum next year. And boom, Denver's still paying him $35.8 million to play elsewhere next year. There's no reason for him to waive his no-trade clause. There's No team is going to take that contract in the first place. And the Broncos are hard in a hard enough spot with the dead cap of trading him that they can't eat any salary, any, any of the extra salary, and no team's going to want to pick up the extra salary. Um, it's just... It's just rough. Um, it's a terrible situation, unfortunately, that it's working out this way. Even though I've been one of the biggest doubters of Russell Wilson since even before the trade, I didn't want it to work out this way. The stats, for the most part, are good, but they're not $250 million good. Like, the touchdown to interception ratio is, but there's so much more to being a quarterback to that than that. And all in all is that, what, 26 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio has led to seven wins. Not all his fault. Defense has, you know, obviously lost a bunch of games, but the offense is so limited. During the winning streak, we saw the take all those takeaways, the what plus 16 turnover differential, and the offense averaged barely over three points per takeaway. Like that that's not good enough. Um, led to a lot of issues on the offense. And one thing moving over to Jared Sidham that really stood out to me was Sean Payton, I think it was today said that yesterday's practice with Jarrett Stidham 
was the smoothest practice they've had all season long. Whether that was confidence behind the new quarterback or what, it is something that is a little bit noteworthy to me. Or just a veiled shot of him kind of being an a-hole that he is. Because <laughs> I've said before he was hired and I wanted you to hire him. I wanted the Broncos to hire him. I'm like, listen, this guy's an arrogant ass. Mm-hmm. But he's a winning arrogant ass and you don't mind it when he is your arrogant ass. I don't care. Um, but that's part of it. He hasn't made many friends in Dove Valley. That's a promise, but the man can coach. My concern, Eric, and I've said this before, it's not about Sean Payton, the coach. It's about Sean Payton, the general manager. I do not like it when the coaches have too much power because it is a conflict of interest with the general manager aspects of the job, which brings us to Phil's question on here. Phil, appreciate the stars coming in. He says, good evening, Scott and Eric. You guys think Vance Joseph and George Payton will be here next year? Hashtag Buckham. Hashtag MHH for life. Yes, I think Vance Joseph will be here. I think he'll get a second year to install his scheme. To, you know, you've done a lot of installing of his scheme now as the season's going on after trying to force him to run a Vic Vangio scheme. Well, now you're going to get a full off season for his scheme. Um, with some new players coming in, growing players, um, and players, you know, actually out there in the right spot. No more trying to make Isong Bassi work. You have Jaquan McMillan that you just got to develop. So I think he gets another year. George Payton, I think, is either fired in January or May. And the only reason why I have it one of the two is because with front office people, not always, but some about 50% of the time, you see them get fired right after the draft. Because you don't want them to go to another team and just spill some of your secrets to a new team. So I think I don't think George Payton will be here by the start of next season. I agree on both of those. Yes, I think Vance Joseph. I think Vance Joseph overall has done a good job with this defense. Now, there was, if you put it on a line graph, you'd see some wide variations between the bad and the good, the bad and the good. And overall, the line at the top would end up being bad. You're going to look at the end of season stats and saying you're ranked here, here, and here. And it's all going to look bad. And the the first five, six games of the year were so bad that being a better-than-average offense is going to put you down in the bottom five, bottom ten for sure, over the course of the season. But what he's had to deal with him and the adjustments that he's made overall, I think Vance Joseph has done a good job with this defense. Think of the limitations you have in the interior defensive line. If you're going out there with Jonathan Harris as one of your starters, you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble. We came into this season thinking Randy Gregory could be a big-time contributor. He was awful. Awful at Denver. Not only was he expensive, he was awful. Got better immediately when he was gone and Baron Browning came in. Frank Clark was supposed to be a veteran presence to come in and help solidify the edge room. I don't think he played it down. He, I don't. I don't think he was active and played it down. I don't remember him being out there, Eric. I, I think he played like a total of like fifteen snaps on defense. Okay, so he may have gotten in, but he wasn't there long either before he was out of there. So there's some key contributors out there. You've had some injuries. Uh, you know, your starting safety at the beginning of the year gone. Your backup safety, Kareem Jackson, misses half the season uh, before end up being placed on waivers. Uh, overall, I think they've done a pretty good job. I think there's some big personnel problems on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the front five, Eric. Yeah, I mean, that defensive line is absolutely atrocious. And it's a little bit disappointing because DJ Jones was a guy that he absolutely killed it last year. Great last year. This year, he's been terrible. He's a guy that I'm not expecting to be here next year with the dead cap from Russell Wilson, even with the post-June 1st cut designation, which just balances out his cap hit. You don't get any net any um, cap space from it. DJ Jones is a guy that I'm on, you know, salary cap cut watch because he's been terrible this year. But at the on the flip side of it is you're so bad on the defensive line, you can't really afford to cut somebody as potentially talented as DJ Jones is, even though you need the money. Jonathan Harris is god awful. Mike Priscilla has had two good games this whole season. I mean, he's supposed to be a big stout run defender, and I thought he could come into the season, he could still do that, but he's been on the ground more often than not. Matt Henningsen hasn't shown any growth. Auma Awazarike, who I was hearing a lot about, you know, prior to his suspension, that they were excited for him um, with the growth that he was showing, and he was ready for a big role on the defensive line. Well, you don't even get a chance to see it because he was suspended for the year for gambling on Broncos games like an idiot. Um, 
And then you have a whole lot of issues in the edge room that I'm not overly, you know, it's not a room I'm confident in. You've got a bunch of guys. I always talk about Batmans and Robins with your edge room. It's a bunch of Robins. Baron Browning, he can't stay on the field. Um, health has always been the concern. When he's on the field, there's those splashes, but there's no consistency there. Nick Benito, you can't have him out there on rundowns. And Jonathan Cooper is so has been so up and down as a run defender and as a pass rusher that he's probably best as that third guy of a rotation. That's just weak overall up front to where Vance Joseph has had to do a lot of blitzing. And I, I know you hate this term, Scott, but simulated blitzes. He has to do a lot of stuff to cover up the fact that his front can't win with four rushers. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL this year with getting pressure with four-man rushes. And it's tough to be good like that because you're putting a lot of pressure on the back end of your defense. Now, P.J. Locke has been a better than better than expected. Uh, and once you made the move in to get Jaquan McMillan in, things turned around there. He became one of your better defensive players, so that's a good thing. Fabian Moreau has been better than expected. That's another thing that you can point to how have they how do they manage to do some of the good things they did some good coaching some very creative use of the multiple hybrid type edge players that you have including using Nick Benito as a spy who then also gets hurt you don't have the depth for these guys to be getting hurt so overall yes it's a long answer i think Vance Joseph has done a pretty good job with this defense i think George Payton made three fireable mistakes last year last year i think he made them you hire a guy like Nathaniel Hackett and have that one go the way it did. That's a fireable mistake as a general manager. You make a trade like you did and have it go the way you did with Russell Wilson. That's a fireable mistake. You spend $200 million on a quarterback and have it go the way that you did. That's a fireable mistake. Uh, one of the smartest things we can do, though, is pick up the phone and make Little Caesars, who is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs plus all day on Sunday and get ready for some football and fun and pizza pizza. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, we're all going to win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the games. So. Let's move on to James Moss coming in with a very generous Broncos orange super chat coming in. He says, one thing I noticed, thank you, James. The other up-and-coming coaches are building their offense around the QB. Sean Payton does not, has not, and will not do that. He is old school. Will it work? Remains to be seen at this point. It's what we have. James, I don't I don't know. It's hard to pick up, you know, all the nuances of, of how you might say this, but Sean Payton had a nice system for sure and was able to plug in some guys, but you don't have rotating guys in there where, on purpose. I mean, he had basically one quarterback for a long time, and that was a very, very quarterback-centric offense, which included the short passing game, which made the running backs more involved. But those weren't handoffs. Those were short passes. So, you know, Drew Brees, it's, it's hard to say that he didn't build a, an offense around the quarterback position. It's just how he used a quarterback may not have been in the downfield passing game as much or spreading the ball around. But Drew Brees was pretty important in that Saints offense. Yeah. And Sean Payton, when you go back and watch his time as an offensive coordinator with his time with the Giants and the Cowboys um, quarterback coach in there as well, the offense that he was coaching in wasn't the offense that he started in there with new Orleans. There were some differences um, with it. So he did adjust what he, from what he was used to, to better fit drew Brees. a lot more middle of the field work, a lot of timing and rhythm routes, because that was what drew Brees did so well. That has just become his bread and butter. And he hasn't adjusted off that a whole lot, except when you go and you watch the games where he was, you know, starting Taysom Hill at quarterback, there was a lot of adjustment there. And what we saw this year was a lot of adjustment from what we got out of Russell or from Sean Payton during his all, whole career with New Orleans. A lot more play action rollouts, a lot more moving pockets for Russell Wilson, less middle of the field, more boundary throws, because that's what Russell Wilson did. He really did cater his offense, cut down his playbook that probably has upwards of 200 plays in it, probably cut it down to sub 100, sub 75, just because. Those are what Russell Wilson could do and adjust it to him. I don't 
fully disagree though with where you're coming at because you still want to see more from the head coach and the offensive play designer. You, you still want to see more changes to even better pick up your quarterback. Now, I'm curious to see what's going to happen for that because I can't say for sure that Sean Payton didn't try and Russell Wilson's issues just kept it from happening. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, sometimes I feel like the the training wheels were put well on Russell Wilson, and then you see him come off and the big plays start to come around. And it's like, you know, why why do you have him so constrained for three quarters and then all of a sudden you need him? Here comes Russell Wilson making Russell Wilson plays. So there's there's a lot of blame to go around for the failure of this offense, and it's still improved. It's still well improved. The question is, is like you said earlier, um, I appreciate you, James. Like you said earlier, the cap hit is net neutral. Wait a minute. What do you mean? I thought we were going to have this big dead cap hit. You will, but you won't have Russell Wilson. So you're going to have Russell Wilson in a $40 million salary cap hit, or you're not going to have Russell Wilson and you're going to have a $40 million salary cap hit. So it's the cap hit's going to be there either way. What happens now is by getting this done, I know that my $40 million dead cap hit is going to be 2024 and 2025. That's it. I know that's it. My clock has started. If I go through this for another year and he's on the team and on April 1st, I know I go through 2025 and then I still could possibly have him 26, 27. So the question is, is can I win with Russell Wilson and this salary moving forward in 2026, 2027, et cetera, et cetera. And the Broncos feel like, no, we cannot. Let's start the clock and get this done now. Rip the Band-Aid off and take these hits now. Boy, wouldn't it be ballsy if they just decided to take $85 million next year and say, let's just let's just go out there with half a team and let's just take the whole thing. I don't think that's financially possible. I don't think they could feel – I don't. Think, I think they've got too many guaranteed contracts in there. Yeah. And Lawrence says, no one is going to even accept a call from our front office this season even though we have all the cash because our guaranteed money isn't even guaranteed. Lawrence guaranteed means guaranteed, dude. Russell Wilson signed a $160 million contract extension before last season. He will get 160 plus million dollars from the Denver Broncos for a, just under two seasons of work. Call me, call me. I'll pick up the phone. I'll answer. Now, you may have to Mike McGlinchey this and pay a little bit over, over market value to get some guys in, which you had to for some of these guys. And that's going to be tough because you've got $40 million of dead cap hits the next two years. But guaranteed money is guaranteed money, dude. Yeah. The only like the only thing is there's fully guaranteed, then there's injury guaranteed. There's a $37 million. That's the big talking point. That guaranteed for injury for Russell Wilson. But that $37 million was also the basically the option this offseason. It guaranteed fully on the fifth day of the new league year, which is March 18th. So by keeping them from getting hurt, well, now they can get out of it. Because if he got hurt, it guaranteed earlier if he couldn't pass the physical in April or March. Which would have turned his 160 into a 197 guaranteed contract. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. And that's where that's one way that teams do protect themselves a little bit from contracts is like, well, we'll give you, you know, $160 million guaranteed out of $245 million. But, you know, year two of your extension, we might give you another $37 million, but we'll protect it for injury just in case you get hurt. Teams do that all the time. Yeah, It's very common practice. It's it's where, where is my out on this? And then when yeah. do I decide that I you're out on this. You weren't expecting it to be this soon. That's for sure. Just because again, because you're so underwater on what your cap hit to your dead cap was that it's going to be financially painful to do this over the next two years. It, it will be because you're still, you're going to have to pay a quarterback. You're still going to have to find somebody to pay position. We talked about that with Garrett Bowles. Well, let's get, get her, you know, before his contract came up. Now you've got some flexibility, but last year let's, we need to move on from Garrett Bowles. All right. Well, you're you're still going to count eighteen million dollars towards the salary, and then you got to pay somebody else to take his place. So now I've got twenty five million dollars sunk into the into the into the position. So there's a lot to unpack here. the uh, the, the title of this episode, because I want to talk what we we have. I haven't talked about at least 
and I've been on a lot here, Broncos country. I know <laughs> it's me again. What can we expect from Jarrett Stidham in this, Eric? What are what are you looking for? It's weird. I feel like I've got two dead rubber teams coming up with the Los Angeles Chargers who are looking at a new coach, through the Las Vegas Raiders who are looking at a new coach, a transition year now for what the hell are the Denver Broncos going to do in the next six months where it feels a little like preseason. That's exactly what I was going to say. These next two games are just preseason games to end a season. You have Jarrett Sidham and Easton Stick, and then Jarrett Sidham and Aiden O'Connell. Like, I am not looking forward to these games, but it would help me if the Broncos just embrace it and go full evaluation mode. Like, 5% chance of making the playoffs. You made the switch at quarterback. Make some switches at other positions as well. You mentioned Fabian Moreau, and I would like to see him get benched for Riley Moss, just so mm-hmm. you can get some idea of what you have in Riley Moss. But as for what I expect of Jared Stidham, I not much. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of his signing. Cheap enough contract, but he is a guy that maybe we'll get to see a little bit more of the more, um, what's the right wording here? Um, more openness with Peyton's play calls because Jared Sidham, he, he can t- attack the middle of the field. He, he can make those quick rhythm passings that passes that you want, the timing passes. And his placement on them, it's not great, but it's not bad. I mean, I'd say his placement on those quick rhythm passes, you know, those slants and all that, is probably on par with Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson was not great at it. I don't know how many slants we saw this year where he was throwing way too high, way behind, or way too far ahead instead of right on the money. Um, I'm My biggest thing that I'm actually curious to see is the communication with the play calls because even after they made changes earlier in the season with Russell Wilson, it still wasn't the best. So I'm curious to see if that, at least that can get cleaned up with Jared Stidham a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be nice to be able to play this one at home. That'll help. You know, if, if this was if this was in Detroit, the communication would be a problem because it's going to be loud there. But having that at home, and then uh, final games on the road, if I'm not mistaken, that's is that right? Yeah, in Las Vegas, yeah. that one won't be too intimidating either. So it'll be a good chance in there. And you know, Jarrett Stidham could go on a heater for two games and win these two things. And I would caution Broncos country from overreacting on something <laughs> like this. You know, the the Jerry Rosberg crew who says, see, Jerry Rosberg should be the head coach. And the man was in retirement, you know, three weeks before that. Um, you know, just pump the brakes a little bit and realize how long has Jarrett Stenham been in the league now? Three, four years? You know, let's see what he can do. Maybe, you know, will he be the, the starter next year as Richard, you know, Richard Prater comes in? He says he'll be the starter next year also. He might be, but I think you're going to be trying to get another quarterback to come in as well. And I, I don't think that's really a hot take. Uh, Rodney Garcia had a question in here. I wanted to, to pop on if I could find it. And then I wanted to, to bring Phil back up because he came in with some stars also on a related type of question. Do you think we should move on from Justin Simmons? I feel like he deserves to be on a winning team and Denver is in dark times again in a rebuild. And then Phil comes in with some stars, kind of asks a question, how much money can we get back by restructuring contracts? First off, do you think... Justin Simmons deserves, let's forget about the money. We'll get into that in a second. Would you be okay? Say, listen, thanks for what you've done for seven years. This team is going to be handicapped. Let's see what we can get. Let's see if we can move you into the NFC and go play for the Cowboys and Dan Quinn and see if we can't get you into the playoffs in a deep run. Would you, is that something you would advocate for? No, um, because for me, I'm fine with teams doing right by players, but at the same time, it's like, you still got to keep your talent. Like it's tough because Justin Simmons has been great for the Broncos. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he does deserve a shot at the Super Bowl, but the Broncos still have to you know, still put out a team out there. They don't want to sit there and completely blow everything up. They still want to try to remain somewhat competitive. And Justin Simmons is one of the better safeties in the NFL. Um, now, if a team came in and offered a lot for it, then yeah, sure. 
it, that's that i guess that's what it comes out to is mm -hmm. what am i being offered for him i'll allow him give it to give us a you know give a few teams to where he wants to go but it's like if one team's offering a third and one team's offering a first well he doesn't want to go to the team offering the first i'm going to trade you to the team that's offering the first right because it's what's better for the broncos what would you what would you let's say you have to pick up his full freight on the last year of his contract too, what would you think he would be worth in a trade, Justin Simmons, right now? I would say probably – I think you'd have to send a pick back, probably like a fourth or a fifth, but I think you can get a second and another day three pick. Goodness. Okay. I think uh, I think part of the problem is the contract, um, so you'd have to eat. I, I think to get up anywhere near a second, you'd have to take on most of the money. Um, which would be against one of the reasons you would trade him to begin with at his age. Um, I think you'd be lucky to get a fourth for him straight up if you were trading the contract itself. As Phil McLaughlin comes in, he says, how much money can we get back by restructuring contracts? Let's just say you can get your expensive guys down to a $5 million cap hit next year based on bonuses and restructures, extensions, void years, et cetera, et cetera. Garrett Bowles, you could save $15 million. Um, Justin Simmons, you could save $10 million. So now you're to 25. Cortland Sutton, you could probably save another $5 million. You're at 30. You're cutting Tim Patrick and going to save another $10 million. You're at 40. Uh, ben Powers is actually a sneaky guy that you could figure something out. I can get $6 million and maybe get better than I've gotten from Garrett, from, uh, from, uh, Ben Powers this year, $6 million in savings and flat out $10 million. If DJ Jones is a cut, there's another $10 million right there. And frankly, Jerry Judy at $13 million guaranteed. Now he ain't going to restructure, but you could trade him and come out with another $13 million. So what am I up to now? 60, $65 million. Yeah, um, and the goal only guys there that you would have to replace that I said was a straight cut would be Ben Powers and would be DJ Jones. Everybody else, you're just restructuring slash extending for about $60 million. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, I think it was Nick Corte. He's a guy who works with over the cap. Um, really good cap guy. And he went through and he played with it. And he had a long list of everything he moved. Everyone he mentioned, he either, he basically restructured the cap restructured or parted ways with hmm. um ben powers is a guy um that he was that he mentioned if i remember right is not one that you necessarily want to touch because of the fact that you have quinn miners coming up for an extension as well and then the budgeting for the offensive guard for the interior offensive line in general which is part of the reason why louis cushionberry is probably on his way out um and then it would be a situation of oh you restructure ben powers well, now you don't have a way out of his contract after 2024 because of the dead cap it that will now hit and that affects that would affect Quinn Miners' negotiations. And Quinn Miners is the guy that you want to keep if you're Denver among the three starting on the interior offensive line. So you that's the only one that but you'd have savings with him. With Ben Powers, it's one of the few contracts. In fact, it's like the only of the free agent contracts that you sign that isn't underwater next year. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's actually there's the, actually some savings there, which is kind of nice everything else you're underwater on yeah it's just the, it's just the pros and cons like you don't you don't want to risk you know the budgeting with the interior offensive line and you can get by with it for a year or two if you really have to because you i mean with the way that salary caps expected to raise over the next four or five years mm -hmm. you you can work with quinn miners's contract to be you know uh backloaded especially once you get out of the dead cap pits of russell wilson and you can live with it and be fine with it it's just just a slight concern there when you touch Ben Powers, but everybody else, yeah, I expect something done. I think that Garrett Bowles is going to extended, get extended. I think Cortland Sutton's going to get extended, and I actually think in the long run, Justin Simmons is going to get extended, and they're going to try to significantly lower those cap hits. I do too. And it, in after the Jets game, when these discussions were going on with Russell Wilson about how are we going to work with this contract, I was ready to sell everything. I was ready to nuke it all after that Jets game at one and four. I was like, trade and get what you can. There are some guys being named in here. I see the names scrolling through the chat here uh, that are free agents. So we didn't necessarily mention them. Josie Jewell is a free agent. So he doesn't count on next year's cap right now because he's not on next year's cap right now. Lloyd Cushenberry is not on it. Mike Purcell is not on it, which brings up a question. 
with Tim Durr, what would a new contract for Cushenberry look like? I remember reading a thing about two weeks ago, and this was a conversation Lance and I had through messages. And he was like, he asked me, he's like, what kind of contract, what do you think is a reasonable contract for Lloyd Cushenberry that Denver can give him? And I told him, I don't think there is one. And Lance responded with saying, well, what about a one-year, like, $4 million prove it? No way Lloyd Cushenberry wouldn't accept a deal like that. And there was a report right after or right before Lance and I had this conversation where Lloyd Cushenberry is looking at being paid as a top center in the NFL. I'm not doing that. No. And I, it was it, the one that came out with something like four years, $57 million. No, 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 no. I don't see that happening. I think this is coming from the same people that were telling Dalton Reisner he was worth $14 million a year. When I was saying 2.5, he got 2.8. <laughs> yeah. So Reisner was a, at best, middle of the road guard, which would put him in the 30 range. And that's where I came up with 2.5. The 32nd guard, which is halfway down your starters, if there's 64 guards, was worth about $2.5 million. Now, Lloyd Cushenberry is playing like an 8-12 to 12 center. He is. He is playing like an 8-12 to 12 center right now. He will be a free agent. An 8-12 to 12 center right now is somewhere between 6 and $8 million a year. So, $57 million, no, but... For I, I only, only thing I care about, Eric, is the guaranteed money. It's the only thing I care about. Do I see a four-year, $57 million contract with 32 guaranteed? Yeah, I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Can you afford to do that with, um, with the Denver Broncos? Maybe. If I could backload a lot of it, because I'm putting a lot of it into a signing bonus. And I could knock him down his first year cap hit to three or four million dollars. And then it would escalate where his number jumps dramatically in 2026. God, two years is just 2026, Eric. That's insane. <laughs> 2024 season and 2025 season. Because guess what happens in 2026 in just two seasons? You get all your Russell Wilson money back. You, you get $40 million back on the books. Yeah, I mean, th there's ways you can structure it and make it work. I think that with the where Denver's at, and it's not just with the salary cap position. I mean, it plays into it, but where Denver's at with the age of this roster, they are an older roster. And I think that they could go and aim for a compensatory pick in 2025, letting him go, getting another team get that. Because um, if I remember right, it, for I mean, for this year, a contract about that would probably give Denver a fourth round pick in, in the compensatory formula. Roughly. It's an estimation, of course. Um, a lot of variables go into it and like playing time and stuff like that. I think Denver could do that. Help them get a little bit younger, even though it's a pick down a year down the road. And use this year to reset, see what you can get out of either Luke Wattenberg or Alex Forsyth to be as the starting center. Go younger, go cheaper. And it's not that Lloyd Cushenberry is overly, you know, super old. He, God, super old. He's younger than I am. He's only going to be, he just turned, I think, just turned 26 or is about to turn 26. Which is, yeah, so, which is your prime, really. Yeah. For and, 26 to 32 is prime for an OL. Yeah. And for for centers especially, I mean, where you can see them often still playing at a high level, 34, 35 plus. Um, I'm fine with, I would, I'd be fine with it. I think... I would rather do a three-year deal than a four-year deal. And this is just semantics on my part a little bit. Giving him two void years um, just to help spread out the, the signing bonus, give him that big signing bonus, and then let him go and get another contract at 29 years old, which with Denver, if he continues to play at a high level, could be that bigger contract, even bigger contract, if he earns it. I would not be comfortable giving him four years, $32 million guaranteed. I wouldn't. I've watched him for three years now. I would not be comfortable doing that. Someone will be, though. You're you're going to be bidding against the rest of the NFL as a free agent. Somebody will be. Uh, I'd be okay to let him walk on that. And maybe I can get a comp. Maybe I can get a comp pick, depending on how, how busy I'm going to be in free agency. A uh, couple more questions in here. Phil comes back in. He says, is it possible to offer some type of cash bonus to players at restructure to make or save cap space? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's say Garrett Bowles has 18 million on his contract next year. Let me see. I think that's about right. 
Yeah, Garrett Bowles, this is his cap hit of 20 this year. It's 2024. So he's got $16 million in base salary next year. What I do is I take that base that that money, I sign him to a four-year extension, I turn his one-year deal into a four-year deal, I take the 16 I owe him for this year and I pay it to him as a signing bonus. Now that $16 million cap hit that I was supposed to have for this year is now just $4 million. I give him $1 million in salary and I give him a $16 million signing bonus and then I backload the rest of his money. That's how I get his... He gets his $17 million this year. I get a $5 million cap hit. That's how I take his number down from 20 to five. Mm -hmm. Yes, it absolutely works like that. And yes, that's one of the reasons it's very, very helpful to have rich owners. Thank you for the stars, my friend. Want to say hello to Gary Palmer, GLP coming in with the yellow super chat. Thank you, my friend. He says, hey, Eric and Scott, I will rewatch this. I'm so late. It's a love-hate thing, this restructure. Hate to see players go. And Eric, it's just you took the big swing and it just blew up in your faces. There are no good answers for this. It sucks. You're doing what you have to do to get out, to do what you think is best, to not sink good money after bad, trying to right a wrong. Don't let one mistake turn into two, which it did. The trade and the contract, there's one, two. Don't let two turn into three. And and that's what this is about, Eric. Yeah, and earlier you are talking about George Payton and the fireball offenses. All of what has happened, those three fireball offenses that you have that you laid out, all came from one thing. George Payton put all of his eggs on the Aaron Rodgers basket. Mm-hmm. That's that's who they wanted. That's why they went and got Hackett. He's friends with Rodgers. I mean, look at, look at what happened with the Jets. They went and signed him. Rodgers just decided to stay in Green Bay, and so Denver had to immediately go to their back end and Russell Wilson made it clear that hey, there's only certain teams I'm going to will, willing I'm willing to trade my no uh, trade clause to. None of the other ones were negotiating with Seattle, so they had all the power in negotiating for the trade. And Denver still went and overpaid that trade because and they got fleeced. I said it at the time of the trade, they got fleeced. Um in in the trade. And part of the whole thing with the trade is that Denver on Russell Wilson's part to waive his no trade clause to come to Denver was he would get a new contract because that was such a problem with him in Seattle. Why the trade stuff started coming up is because he wanted a new contract and Seattle didn't want to pay it. So all this is because of George Payton putting all of his eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket, and it is a shame that it didn't work out because in the end, we all want the Broncos to be successful and you know not have these terrible moves that put them behind a couple of years or waste a couple of years, or in this case, both. But here we are, and it's better It's better to do it now than having to wait until go through two more years of this. And the other thing is, doing it now is better on Sean Payton's end because, you know, two, you know, two more years of Russ Wilson, when that time comes to part with Russ Wilson, Sean Payton may be exiting with him. So it makes sense on his part to get rid of it now. It definitely sucks, Gary, and I'm with you there. Even if I'm not the biggest fan of the player, still sucks. I still want players to be successful, especially if they're on the Broncos. No, and at least, like I said, you, you've you got a ticking clock now where you know I know where I get my money back. I know when I can start becoming big swingers in, in free agency again, and it's in two seasons. Can this team be competitive? Are there enough good players on this team? Is your coaching staff good enough to be competitive next year? Yeah, it is. You weren't winning because of Russell Wilson. Now, I saw someone come into one of our shows the other day. One of the post chats was, oh, uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's all Russell Wilson's fault. Great analysis. You know, he, he's not, the, he was the answer. And all of a sudden, he's not great analysis, guys. I'm like, um, no, you know, he might not be the biggest problem, but he's not the answer either. You weren't winning games because of Russell Wilson. Therefore, he shouldn't be that hard to replace. He shouldn't be that hard to replace. You'd rather have that money back is is the big thing. Is the, the hit that you're going to take the next two years that you would have had with him on your team is a bigger detriment than the quarterback that you're replacing him with. Uh, I, I do. I believe that. Um, Lawrence Rivera says, the Tebow curse all over again. What is it with any to me is New England? I don't know what that means. So any, I'm not sure what that means. Nebraska, New England. I guess it would be New England. 
<laughs> what is it with New England? Um, I don't know. Is that who knocked out the, the, the Tebow in the playoffs? Was the Patriots that year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You 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 go and lose to you go and lose to New England, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it goes really really bad. <laughs> Tim Tebow wasn't an NFL quarterback. He just that was that was uh speaking of winning that was an interesting that was a fun show but that was not sustainable on that one uh we're at about 50 minutes uh we want to get if you've got any burning desires any any topics you want to get going in here um how interested in you are you in the game itself and the outcome i mean it could get really interesting if the broncos win this game and some things get squirrely you're not out of the playoffs playoffs <laughs> No, I was actually, I tweeted this out yesterday. I'm actually, I mean, obviously I'll, I'll watch the game. On, I, much to the annoyance of my family, I actually ended up watching the New England game when I told them that I wouldn't, um, Christmas Eve stuff, all that. But I, I'll watch this game and everything and, you know, break it down as I always do. But I, I picked Denver to win and I'm not feeling, I don't want to say I'm not feeling good about it, but the fact that Cortland Sutton's out, Baron Browning's out, Marvin Mims and Jerry Judy are both questionable. I'm I'm not I'm not sure how exciting this game will be. Um but I'll watch it. Um and knowing that the Broncos can pick anywhere from six to thirty-two as a possibility, like hey, if they lose, <laughs> closer to six it is. If they win, well, they still have a chance at thirty-two. Um so that that's at this point that's what i'm watching for is where do i focus on um for the next couple weeks do i switch fully over to the draft because the loss eliminates them or is it a still another week of delaying draft stuff because maybe the playoffs so jody has come in jody is obviously one of the newer viewers to these podcasts based on uh this comment he says wow they screw over a player and you guys don't even mention it do the Broncos pay your salary? If they do, God, I'm underpaid. <laughs> Who's going to want to play for this organization when they do this crap to players? I, I actually already went through this. That's one of the reasons why I know that you may have just come in and aren't here very often. Russell Wilson got a $160 million guaranteed contract to play just, just under two seasons. Every player in the world will want that contract. All of them. If you want to overpay me and then cut me and let me be a free agent with all that guaranteed money, yes, please. Come on, man. Now, is this what Russell Wilson wanted? No. No, it's not. Is this something that was going to have to happen for Denver Broncos because they made a mistake? Yes. This is what they feel is the best thing for their organization. It's expensive and it's messy. Russell Wilson, that's why you hire an agent to get all of that money in case they do something like this. This move is being made because Russell Wilson didn't work. I'm not blaming Russell Wilson. I'm looking forward to him playing somewhere next year. But nobody's screwing anybody else over with guaranteed contracts. Denver Broncos are paying a hefty price. And Russell Wilson's getting nine figures for two seasons. Come on, man. Use your head. Yeah, 160 million out of 245 million that he could have earned for the total of the contract. Uh, like that, that's that's a lot of money for a guy. <laughs> Sign and, up, man. What quarterback <laughs> doesn't want that deal? Come on. And not a single person in the world would turn it down, except for maybe like Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, those guys that are in the NFL making more money or any sport that are making more money or some of these, you know, billionaires that we have. Any average Joe would take it. Most football players would take it. They're, they're not screwing them over. They had high expectations. He failed to meet them. Uh, it sucks. It's not all his fault. It's not all anyone's fault. It's a big domino effect of a bunch of issues that have happened from even before John Elway left. It's just Denver has been in a bad spot. They took a shot on the guy, didn't work out. Now's the time to move on. No, the guy that's the, the the guy that's on borrowed time right now is George Payton. I've waffled a little bit on this back and forth on okay, yes, he's definitely gone. I thought that as soon as Sean Payton was hired, with as much power as Sean Payton was going to have, I thought Payton was Gonzalez. Everything seems to be hunky dory. 
They seem to be getting along okay, saying all this right things in the press and the media. I'm like, okay, now hell, I don't know. Maybe he is back. Nope. I, I think he's I think he is uh I think he's toast. Um Todd has a question for for Eric and me. It says me, but I'm, I want to include this on you. What is the fix at wide receiver and tight end next year? Uh, what do you think? Troutman's one of those guys that's one of those uh, one-year free agents. So he's he's a free agent next year. I can't count on Greg Dulcich for anything. So I can't put him in my starting lineup. I can keep him. He's still cheap. But I can't go in thinking, okay, this is my answer. This is what I need to do. So, And then at wide receiver, I, I have Cortland Sutton. Well, Jerry Judy, you know, we saw some pretty good things from him at the end of last year. Okay, he's the guy. Let's pick up his extension. No brainer. Get his fifth year extension. But we're right back a year later with the same quarterback, with a better offensive coordinator, thinking, I'm not sure I want this guy on the team anymore. It wouldn't be a big surprise to go wide receiver, depending on how high you get. God, Brock Bowers would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? But to go Brock Bowers slash wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, I mean, when we get to the draft, they have so many options. But for me, even though Adam Trotman has been a major disappointment to me, and I didn't have high expectations for him in the first place, he he's my tight end two going into next year. Chris Manhart's tight end three, and Greg Dulcich is tight end four because you can't count on him to stay healthy. Maybe he can, you know, something happens and he's able to show a little bit more and you know find a usage. But you got to find a guy at tight end because Sean Payton's offense loves tight ends. He's always had that guy at tight end every single year of his coaching career. Um, always had the tight end. You know, Jeremy Shockey, he was part of the drafting of Jason Witten, um, the Jimmy Graham, and then even uh, Benjamin Watson there for a while, had one of his best years under him. So you got to go find somebody, whether it's to the draft or not. I don't know. I don't I don't know the free agent tight end market, what it looks like. But you got to go find some some kind of, uh, somebody at tight end. Trading Jerry Judy, like it's just a situation as Kenny touched on, is another year of uh, maybe. And I fear that Denver is going to, you know, use him a lot over these next two weeks. If he plays this week, he's down with the flu. It's going through the locker room, apparently. And everybody's going to be like, all right, we have potential. And next year is finally going to be the breakout year. Just think, same thing that happened last year. Mm-hmm. Everybody was dead set on getting ready to move on from Jerry Judy in the offseason. Well, he has those two games, and now they want to keep him. Like, I fear that's going to be the situation here. Are they going to ask too much too much for in the draft uh, in draft compensation for it? I would move him. Cortland Sutton, I'm extending. Marvin Mims, I'm finding an increased role. Still keeping a couple of the other guys. Tim Patrick's on his way out. And then go and finding a legit number two guy. Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina is a guy in the draft that I would be highly interested in in being that number two guy. And then you're hoping for guys that are internal options could become better options too. You spent pretty good draft picks on Marvin Mims. You traded up to get him. He's been a little bit of a one trick pony, so to speak on uh, lately. Maybe he takes that next step. Uh, Lucas Kroll has shown flashes. That would be kind of one of those. I struck gold uh, on my penny stock on somebody like in an undrafted free agent. I'm pretty sure he was. I signed him off of a, off of waivers from the Saints, uh, who was on their practice squad. So maybe I get a little lucky there. But you're counting on some of your guys, your young guys, taking that next step last next year. Riley Moss, can he come in and be a better version of Fabian Moreau? I think he can. Drew Sanders, more athletic version of Josie Jewell or Alex Singleton. Singleton will probably be back next year on his contract. Josie Jewell is a question mark at this point. Sanders is one of those guys. Those are the three, one, three I think you're probably really looking at. And depending on... We talked about Lloyd Cushenberry and would you give him a big money deal? No, I wouldn't. A four-year guaranteed contract? No, I wouldn't. So now you're looking at, you know, Alex Forsyth, you know, one of the guys that was drafted, Luke Wattenberg. Does he come in and I get to stay cheap at the position? So you're gonna have to start hitting on on some of those uh some of those some of those draft picks need to step up and and move forward. Robot of Doom comes in on Twitch. He says, all right, fellas, here's a question that no one has asked. We were one in five. Why didn't we make the switch then and tank and sell? Why? Something is off and someone is lying. That's when you started having discussions with Russ about you need to move this injury guarantee back. That's when it happened. Then all of a sudden you beat Kansas City. Then all of a sudden you beat Buffalo. 
you're on a, on a win streak and things change. This was always going to happen the second you were eliminated from playoff contention. The, the talk started then, uh, Mr. Doom. That's when they started. You didn't officially make any moves until, you know, I, there was a winning streak that kind of threw plans into disarray. And then, you, like I said, that, that, was, that was the main reason it, it happened later than it did was because you stayed around longer than it looked like when you were sitting there at one and five. Yeah, I hope you're doing well. It was great to meet you at the meet and greet back in October. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything was going then and everything was looking like they were not necessarily tank because no one in the NFL tanks. You may not actively try to win, but it's not it's not tanking. Um, and Denver at that point, they were ready to sell. They moved Jerry Judy. They moved or not Jerry Judy, Randy Gregory. They moved Frank Clark. And that's where all this rumors with Jerry Judy really started to get picked up. And then, you know, they beat Green Bay and they beat Kansas City. And everybody can grab their pitchforks and um, torches for this. But beating Kansas City when they did was the worst thing for the team this year because it brought them back from moving players via trade. It wasn't like they had a good offer from Jerry Judy where if they lost to Kansas City, I have no doubt in my mind they take that trade and Jerry Judy has gone. Um, but they beat Kansas city and now they're in a position where we can go We're, you know, the playoff chances there, the, um, the, I can't, the you getting in decreased dramatically. You were up there where it looked like you were going to be in. And then with a couple of quick losses, all of a sudden it looks like you're all but out of it. Um, Phil McLaughlin comes back in with some stars. He says, what can we do with McGlinchey? Basically, you're going to have to ride it out for one more season um, next year and hope that he gets better. Uh, you know, he missed all of the preseason this year. That's something to remember that he didn't he didn't play at all until week one was his first action with the Denver Broncos. So you're hoping he gets better because his deal next year is underwater again. Um, he's got a twenty nine million dollar dead cap hit against an eighteen five cap hit. That's underwater. It means it costs you an extra $10 million if you get rid of him. After that, it goes from 21 to 10. So you save $11 million if he's gone. That's when you can make a move to get out from under that one. So you're going to have to ride it out with McGlinchey for one more year and just hope he gets better. Lawrence Rivera says, who has more holes, Colfax or the Broncos? That's anything like, you know, the California pension system that I saw. Cal Purs. I already know which <laughs> one is uh, I trust least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not sure I get the reference here. Uh, but the Broncos, they do have a lot of holes on their roster, and a lot of it is depth. Yeah, and you know, everybody does. Most teams do. You know, it, we we've got our our blinders on with this team, and we say, okay, this is where it needs help here, 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 and here, and here. We're more familiar. Most teams are like that. Very few have a full 22 where you're yeah. not starting an undrafted free agent or a sixth or seventh round draft pick or a rookie or something where you don't have some place where you're looking to you're looking to improve on. The good news is, is if you look at your key players from this team, there's not a lot of attrition next year. There's there's just not. And you can make most of your key players cheaper next year. It's just you're just going to be hamstrung in the market and you're going to be anyway, but now you're not sure what you're going to do at quarterback. Um, but if you didn't think Russ was the answer, that doesn't really bother you very much. Um, Michael Ronquillo coming in. It's a great show tonight. Eric and Scott on the Dove Valley Deep Divers and Go Broncos. Thank you, my friend. Eric, we're at just about an hour here. Any any final thoughts? What are you looking for to, uh, Sunday for the uh, the Broncos and Chargers? And then we'll, then we'll get going. The thing I'm most looking forward to about this game has nothing to do with the Broncos player any Broncos player, I'm looking forward to the reactions after game. Because with the, you know, the big move, benching Russell Wilson, it, any mistake by Jared Sidham is just going to be exploded and, and enlarged like 3,000 times because it's not Russell Wilson. So I'm curious to see what the, you know, the discourse afterwards, um, even though I don't post on Twitter a lot, I always, you know, check it and i see nick stuff and nick is always constantly poking at the poking at the bear and as cal comes in and says just want plenty of rust rust sideline shots i kind of do too because i'm curious to see if 
he's going to be a loner or if he's still going to be heavily involved. I would I would think he's going to be heavily involved, but you never know. Yeah, I think you'll see him working with working pretty closely, at least have his headset on and be talking a lot with uh, with Jared Sidham. And I expect an overreaction one way or the other with Jared with uh, with Jared Sidham. If Jared Stimmon it goes out and throws for 250 yards, two touchdowns, interception, no interceptions, he's the guy. We can move on with him. He's a starter no matter what. If he goes out and stinks, well, this is why. And you're going to have a lot of haters come in and pile in, you know, Russell Wilson fans. You get a lot of people that are fans of a player, not necessarily a team. They'll be here in the gut reaction on Sunday if if Jarrett Stidham isn't very good. You're going to get a lot of Russell Wilson fans in here. On that note, want to say thank you to our Super Chat superstars and a final Thank you and goodbye from Michael Rankio. He says, great show tonight. Eric and Scotland, Dove Valley Deep Divers. This is the final Dove Valley Deep Divers of 2023, and it's been a great year because of people like y'all. want to say thank you to Michael, who came in with some stars, Phil several times, James Moss, Lawrence Rivera several times. Thank you, Lawrence. Addison uh, Reichlick, Reichlick, Addison, uh, coming in with some uh, super chat as well, GLP as well. Uh, so thank you very much to all of y'all. Eric, last words, and then we're going to go. I hope you guys have a wonderful new year. Stay safe. Don't drink and drive. Um, Lance should be back with me next week. Um, took some holiday time holiday time off. Um, so excited to get him and, uh, you know, listen to him go off about the benching of Russell Wilson because, you know, he'll, go, he'll, want, he'll want to get some words in on that. Um, but he'll, he'll be back in – Thank you all for a great 2023, and let's make 2024 even better. Yep, be safe out there, y'all. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure to check back in tomorrow with the orange and blue view and then the gut reaction on New Year's Eve before you go out and and party or whatever you may partake in. Be safe out there, everybody. Thanks for being here with us. Y'all have a great weekend. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.